Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And today I have, guys, I have another Dave on the show, okay? His name is David Steele. He's been here before. You know, he likes the Seahawks, which, you know, and he likes the Washington Huskies, which, you know, I'm a big fan of. And I live in Oregon, uh, 45 minutes away from the University of Oregon. So anyways, we'll uh, move along now. And uh, Dave, welcome back to the show, brother. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, can you catch us up uh, on your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects you're working on? We haven't had you on since May of 21. I mean, what kind of friend am I, I guess? It's been a while. Yeah, my life, uh, it's been a breakneck pace. Even coming out of COVID, I'm super busy, which is the way I like it. Uh, Keeping busy in ministry. My wife and I will be celebrating uh, 33 years of marriage in October. So we're excited about that. My wife's the better side of me and is really a, a vital part of, of the ministry that God has given us. Um, as far as ministry is concerned, uh, I've been at Christ Fellowship and ever since now I serve as senior pastor. We've been here uh, almost 12 years now and uh, we're gearing up for the fall. We're super excited about what God's doing here in this valley and uh, excited about just finishing uh, preaching through the book of Romans. That took uh, a little over three years and then wow. uh, the fall. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I when you started Jones, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it was a it was an amazing, amazing process. It was neat. I got off the phone with my dad a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "When you finish Romans, you're not going to know what to do with yourself." And he was really right. Um, it's just been a, a real thrill uh, to preach through that book. Then we're uh, set to walk through Ecclesiastes starting mid September, and uh, of course we'll begin men's ministry this year. We'll walk uh, the men of the church through Wayne Grudem systematic theology. I think this year will be my twelfth time walking the men through that book, so we're super excited about that. And then uh, last year we did a new ministry here at the church called Frontline Faith with all the uh, uh, issues concerning social justice and wokeism and all the kind of cultural challenges. We did a Wednesday night meeting where I would uh, teach for upwards of an hour for seven weeks and uh, invited the community in. And it was a it was really, really successful. And so the elders asked me to do that again this year. And the subject we have chosen is very similar. We're going to hit the cultural subjects again, um, but we're going to answer it in light of uh, the Heidelberg Catechism. And uh, especially the answer to the first question, what is your only comfort in life and death? The first part of the answer is that I am not my own. Um, and that's very, uh, it's very contrary to what we hear in culture. My body, my choice. The word of God says it's not my body and it's not my choice. And so we're going to mm-hmm. take another seven weeks and do a, really a systematic exposition of the answer to the Heidelberg uh, Catechism. As far as ministry projects, of course, just finished the book that we'll be talking about here in a few minutes, uh, Be Killing Sin. Um, I also just completed a book entitled The Jonah Complex. The subtitle is Meditations on the Sovereignty of God. Lord willing, that'll uh, be available um, early in 2023. 
And then as we were talking earlier today, I've got another five projects, another five book projects that I'm working on that um, hopefully, Lord willing, will, will be released in the next four to five years. So kind of a book, a book a year for the next five years. That's awesome, brother. You're definitely yeah. pumping it out and trying to do the same as me. I go for yep. two books a year. So, you know, because I don't have nice. anything going on <laughs> as well. But uh, nice. guys, guys, we're not talking about me today. We're talking about my other, the other David on this show, David Steele. And uh, he did come out with this book. Uh, guys, if you're watching this, uh, here's the book. The book is uh, Be Killing Sin, The Art of War on the Battlefield of Faith. And uh, I'm going to read. Uh, I had some uh, I had some words to to say about the book. I'll just read a little bit of that. Um, so, I, guys, I did endorse the book. I just said this, that with the skill of a surgeon and the hand of a seasoned pastor, teacher of God's word, and the mind of the scholar, David has gifted the church with a magnificent and needed book. You know, this is a this is a really important book. It's grounded in the Bible. It's going to um, help you to to deal with sin in your life in a in a biblical and a Christ-centered way. So I'm really excited to to talk with you about it, David. And so tell us why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received if I didn't already. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, Dave. You know, um, as I sat down to write the book, I, I was just uh, increasingly concerned with the, the lackadaisical attitude that I see concerning sin, obviously in the culture at large. But most uh, importantly, there was a, a, a very uh, lazy attitude towards sin that I was seeing in the church. And mm-hmm. so that, that's what really motivated me, motivated me to write the book. Uh, early on in my Christian life, I, I was introduced to John Owen, and in uh, volume six, there's that great line where Owen says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you, and have read that book several times uh, since that first day. And it's a funny thing, as I talk to people about John Owen, very few people will take the challenge to read John Owen. So what I wanted to do was to take the best of what I have learned from Owen in uh, his knowledge of the Word of God and his views on sanctification and and write a book that would help to explore some of those themes. Um, the book is really arranged in three parts. Uh, the first part, I explore the pathology of sin. And the second part is what I call the powerful safeguard against sin, which is essentially putting on the full armor of God. And then the third part, probably the most important part of the book and the shortest part of the book is entitled The Plan to Defeat Sin. And so really, it's it, it's all about what does it mean to be killing sin, or as Owen says, sin will be killing me. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I've been doing a lot of episodes, we were talking about this before we recorded, but I've been doing a lot of episodes on the doctrine of Scripture lately, and how should a good understanding of the doctrine of Scripture affect how the Christian approaches the topic of sin and growth in God's grace? Yeah, I, I appreciate the question, uh, Dave. I, I think you can say it this way. A defective view of sin leads to a, de- a defective view of the Christian life. And a defective view of the Christian life, of course, has a bearing on our approach to, to sin and, and growth and grace. In other words, if we have a weak doctrine of Scripture, um, it will always lead to a host of problems. And that's what you and I have seen over the years that we've known each other is that there is a, a, a low view of Scripture, which has led to some of your book, your books. There's a low view of Scripture in the church. And 
um, we need to to grow and understand the word of God. We're, we're never going to be able to to battle sin effectively. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah, we're we're facing a time, as we both know, that where you know people view sin as a mistake. Uh, we even talk about it in ways like sin is broken, like like I broke my hand or I I broke my knee, I broke my ankle. Um, I can't even, I can't even tell you, you know, and, and, and probably a decade ago, I might've used that language, but think about it. Uh, how is sin? Sin means to miss the mark. I mean, literal definition of sin means to miss the mark. It means there are cosmic treason as R.C. Sproul said. Yep. And so we tend to focus in my endorsement. That's why I said it's we tend to focus more on the psychological aspects of sin rather than yeah. the real nature of sin. And so how does this biblical understanding of sin that you're talking about in your book counter the view commonly spoken of as a mistake or brokenness in the church today? Yeah, it's funny you should ask that question because uh, for the last month, I've had the theme of repentance on my mind. And as I finished preaching through the book of Romans, uh, I decided to give myself a couple of weeks as we gear up here at Christ Fellowship to walk through the book of Ecclesiastes. So I've had the, the liberty to preach some standalone messages, um, expository sermons on various themes. And so one of those themes that we're going to focus on is what I'm calling radical repentance. And in this sermon that I'll preach on Sunday, th this is the, the subject that I'm going to focus on for part of the sermon is there is this uh, there is this propensity for Christians to refer to sin, cosmic treason, as R.C. Sproul used to say, as a mistake or a peccadillo or a, 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 a mere altercation. And we need to understand sin as, as a radical grieving of the Holy God. As you said earlier, Dave, the, the precise definition of sin is missing the mark. I remember reading uh, one of John Piper's books where he said sin is is this, that I fail to find my satisfaction of all that God is for me in Christ. And uh, I just think that's a step beyond the definition you and I are aware of, that sin is missing the mark, which it certainly is. But I, I think it goes deeper. It's sin is when I fail to find my satisfaction with mm -hmm. all that God is for me in Christ. And that's what every preacher struggles with. We, as Calvin used to say, are uh, idol factories. That's what our hearts are like. We're idol factories. Mm, yeah, that's that's really good. If you think about it this way, Jesus talks about what do we treasure? Yeah, what comes out right. of the heart, you know, it's the same, it's the same point. You can you can hit this from so many angles. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's so true. And we we just minimize it's just another way for us as a creature to elevate ourselves in a Romans one way above yeah. the creator. And how arrogant is that? I mean, you think about it. Just think about it. You're, this is the God who made you, the one who upholds you, the one who sustains you. you. You can't even breathe a breath like we're doing right now when you're listening to this podcast uh, right. without without God helping you to have that breath so that, you know, the oxygen that comes out of your lungs is is from God. Um, right. And you say he doesn't exist or I'm going to do whatever I want. And just just think about that for for even a, even a second. And I think you'll come to see, hmm, it's pretty arrogant. That's right. That's right. And that's one of the things I deal with, Dave, in the book. Uh, one of the chapters I, I title, The Repudiation of Sin. And you, you begin to look 
uh, around in the church and at various authors who name the name of Christ, who either marginalize sin or redefine sin and and make it uh, bring it down to a level where, where everyone can be comfortable. Well, we shouldn't be comfortable with anything that concerns sin. And so that's that's one of the reasons that chapter emerged in the book. Yeah, and it's, it's really good. You know, you spend a great deal of time talking about the armor of God in in the book, and I really, I really think that's really important. So, how does the armor of God help us as Christians to arm ourselves with biblical truth to stand against the world, the flesh, and the devil? Yeah, the, the bottom line when it comes to the armor of God is is we need the courage of Christ. That's one of the themes I focus on uh, in the book. We need to put on the armor of God. Um, it's a command uh, in, in Ephesians chapter six. Every time we're told to put on that armor, it's written in the imperative mood, which tells us we need to stand strong for Christ. And of course, we know that there's no there's no way to stand strong apart from putting on the armor of God. As I was reviewing the book a, a few moments ago, I, I remember this a quote that I included from J.C. Ryle. That's so good. Um, uh, Ryle says, take away the gospel from the church, and that church is not worth preserving. A well without water, a scabbard without a sword, a steam engine without fire, a ship without compass and rudder, a watch without a mainspring, a stuffed carcass without life. All these are useless things, but there is nothing so useless as a church without the gospel. And Really, what Ryle's referring to there is is standing strong for the glory of God and having strong convictions, which is another theme in the book. So we we must put on the armor of God on a daily basis, or or we will uh, never be able to fight sin in the way that God intended. Mm, that's really good. And then you have then you have too many Christians who think that they can do it on them then on their in their own power and their own strength. Right. And and oftentimes these are the same Christians who speak of sin as a mistake or broken. Right. And it's That's interesting right. because the thing I've been talking a lot about is is it's the use of our language. Yeah. The way some people think, well, you're just being nitpicky. Well, maybe so, but you know, sorry, I'm I'm not sorry. I'm a theologian, and we're both right. theologians. And everybody, yep. everybody, whether you're professionally trained, as in you went to a seminary and you have you know, a master's or, or doctorate or whatever. You know, everybody is a theologian, as R.C. Sproul, again, you know, famously said. But the question is, as he says, is whether you're a good one or not. And so it really does matter. You know, we're living in a in a post-truth, you know, the word of the day, the word of the year a few years back was post-truth. And, you know, if we can't if we can't be precise in what we mean, then I've also been saying this lately that then why even have dictionaries? If right. you, if, you, if meaning if words don't have meaning. And which we say that they do because we have true objective truth. Um, you, if you if everything is subjective to what I think, then you can't even have a dictionary and you can't have the meaning of, wor of words at all, which is kind of, I think, ironic in some ways because it exposes the illogical nature of so much of of what sin is and what it does. It, it makes us stupid. And in in, right. in, right. in in the in the dictionary, we're not calling I'm not calling people stupid. I'm just in the dictionary sense of the definition, it means you're you're that's stupid. It means that you, you you say that you think this is right, but it actually it's just plain dumb. Um, and that's not to be I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody when I say that. I'm just saying from from if we look at the dictionary and what stupid and dumb are, 
that is the definition of of that. That's where that is. And we right. have to be we have to be we have to be honest about about that because um we're living in a time as we talk about sin and we talk about Christ and we talk about growth and the grace of God. And it's interesting to me every time I read Ephesians 6, it stands out more and more. Um he got he uses the phrase in him, in the Lord, all yep. these things. And it's it's because we belong to Christ. It's because we we are in him or in the Lord. Uh, we don't so we don't have to stand in our own strength. We're standing in in who we really are because of Christ. And and that he helps us. You know, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything. So I'm not saying that, but um, we we still have to stand in who we are. And that means that it's it's not about me. It's about Christ in me you know, the hope of glory. And he's the one that's helping me to, to take up all of these things and uh, to, to carry forth the, the sword of the word. And, you know, we could go on and on about progressive sanctification and right, you know, right. wax on it for all day, but. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Dave, uh, about 20 years ago, I read D.A. Carson's book, The Gagging of God. And it's, it's one of my all time favorites. And a friend of mine, a pastor in the San Francisco area, he and I agreed a few weeks ago that we were going to read that book again together. Well, the first time I read the book, Carson was warning the church of the dangers of postmodernity, uh, a postmodern hermeneutic, uh, our, our postmodern uh, epistemology. And those were all things that were kind of coming on the scene uh, over 20 years ago. As I've been rereading the book, everything that he talked about, that he warned about, has now, not only is it happening, it, it, I mean, it's kind of gone and, and, and into the future. It's crazy. So everything mm. he said was right, is what I'm trying to say. And so I, I think uh, we need to heed that warning that you just talked about, about making sure that we take truth seriously. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just, you know, not, not, I mean, so many Christians, as we both know, they they don't want to deal. They they struggle with assurance, and then they think then that God doesn't care about them. And you just go look at this. You go look at the Psalms. You got to go. I've just been saying this. Just go back to the Bible. Can we just go back to the Bible? Mm -hmm. And when you go back to the Bible, you see very clearly that God cares for. He cares for His people. He Psalm thirty seven verse four. He's near to the broken. You know, in that sense, it's a it's a hurting, it's a struggling person. He's near to the to the hurting. Um, we know that Christ is a sympathetic high priest, and we could go we could go on and on. So, well, brother, uh, what are exactly are the means of grace? How do they help the Christian today? Uh, that's that's a great question. Uh, really, the means of grace would be uh, any any activity in the local church that helps to propagate grace. And so mm. uh, there are all kinds of uh, means of grace in the church, but I think we start with uh, the teaching and the preaching of God's word. I meet professing followers of Christ all the time who get away from the local church, and then they wonder why they struggle with sin. Well, they've walked away from the means of grace, the, the faithful and consistent teaching and preaching of God's word, other things like prayer and worship and fellowship and evangelism, evangelism rather, um, uh, of course, baptism, the Lord's Supper. These are all things that God has providentially designed to help grow us in grace. And so I think when we talk about the means of grace, it's 
one of my responsibilities is to encourage people to be consistent in their church attendance, not in a legalistic way, but in a way where we sit under the faithful preaching and teaching of God's word so that we can truly grow in grace. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I would say is, how are you doing and enjoying that? Right. Right. You, you know, because because you can just go through it like you're saying, wrote. Uh, it's just a thing. Oh, well, I'm just going on Sunday because I, I want to hear the pastor's, you know, take or whatever. Yep. And and that just makes the whole thing subjective. You know, so That's many right. Christians are so many Christians are are just thinking I'm just going to get my quote unquote fix to so they feel better. This is you're going not to hear your pastor preach. He's just an instrument of God's word. So something that I do and after that, one of our pastors preaches at our church. I'll go up to him and said, you know what? I just want to encourage you for a minute. He's like, what's up? And I said, thank you for being an instrument of God's word. Because I think that is, as somebody who does pulpit supply myself, I think that's yeah. the highest compliment that you can say to yeah. to your pastor, to anybody preaching, um, if you're enjoying them, so uh, what they have to say. And and that that shows an appreciation for God, for his word, what he's doing through the preaching of the word, but it also honors the the person bringing the word. Absolutely. Yeah, you bet. Well, anyway, uh, what, what does it, what does it mean? You talk a lot about this for Christians to have settled convictions regarding our sin. Yeah. One, one of the chapters is about um, what it means to develop convictions in the Christian life. And at the beginning of that chapter, I quote from uh, one of the authors and the primary author of the Heidelberg catechism, Zacharias Ursinus, who says, since we are kings, it becomes us to fight manfully against sin, the world and the devil, that we may reign with Christ. And so the bottom line really to this chapter is that we, we as Christians, we draw a line in the sand and we refuse to cross it. And so the point that I'm really making in this chapter is that we need to do, as Colossians chapter 3 says, we need to uh, seek things that are above and set our minds on things that are above. That's the way we develop strong convictions to the glory of God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And I think that what that does is it helps us. It helps us in our, as we'll talk about here in just a minute, it'll help us to have settled, um, you know, there's all these things in our, in our day, Instagram being one of them. It's constantly something that I'm having to talk to guys about that are struggling with pornography and other things. Um, you have to you have to have the battle plan. You have to have a good understanding of sin. You know, I mean, we would say you just preached through Romans, the first three book, the first three chapters of Romans are concerned right. with the question and the issue of sin before even. Right. I mean, he talks about justification there and he talks about, you know, redemption. You know, even we forget about that after Romans 3.23, there's that mention of what Christ did. And then, you know, Romans 6.23 as well. But, you know, we, we have to, I think one of the maladies, if you will, of our day is the pure, the one of the, one of the things I just love about the Puritans and it's, and it's painful, of course, is they spend the time dwelling on our sin. Yep. And yeah. we we don't even I think Owen, in in mortification you might have read it more recently than me but one of the things I really appreciate it is that he does that he lingers on the topic of sin, right? And we don't even want to linger we we straight want to like 
go immediately to the cross. We don't want to, we don't want to linger even, even to even think about our indwelling sin. And now we're not talking about morbid inspection. We, you both, we both know what I mean by that, but of course for, for the average person, I I think that you got to spend some time just kind of thinking about your sin and how it offends God. Um, even, even as a Christian, um, to to really appreciate the grace and the beauty of Christ, and I think we see that over in the best teachers of, in the history of the church. They they yeah. did that. Yeah. Any any thoughts on that? No, I agree. I, I remember a reading in Calvin that even that that we should shudder at offending God. Even if there were no hell, we should shudder to offend a holy God. And there is again, as we spoke of before, there's such a lackadaisical attitude. A, a weak attitude towards sin in the church. And so I, I think we need to see that change in the, in the days to come. No question. Yeah, that's really good. Well, we're talking about sin and I don't think another topic that we talk about is indwelling sin at all. Uh, I think it's really important. There's even some people who would suggest that, we, you know, a Christian, I don't know if they would go so far as to say that we don't have indwelling sin, but the suggestion or the idea of it is kind of negated, but why should right. Christians even care about indwelling sin and then killing it? Yeah, that's really the essence of this book. And I would go back to John Owen, who said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Uh, you mentioned, Dave, a moment ago, uh, men in particular who battle pornography. And uh, I can tell you multiple conversations that I have had with men who battle with pornography and I look him in the eye and tell him, if you don't defeat this sin in your life, it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your life. And so um, we need to take this topic of indwelling sin really, really seriously. It's of utmost importance. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, here in the next two weeks, if you're a guy and you're listening to this, uh, I take this so seriously. We're going to spend several months, months on the Warriors of Grace podcast uh, going through that. And you're probably going to wonder, well, what about the ladies? And you can benefit and listen to that as well. But I'm going to be talking to the guys on there um, because we need to have a frank conversation. Um, it's an issue in the church. And so uh, encourage your husbands and, you know, you can listen in. The statistics on it are they're they're just they're heartbreaking i mean they've gotten yeah. to the level of they were bad before but just to your point that they are they are horrible and we need to we need to have a conversation about it um yeah. but Absolutely. you know uh we're how do we how do we put to death our indwelling sin brother well this, this really gets the nitty-gritty in the book and this is why i wanted to write the book because we have christians on the one hand who take a passive approach to the Christian life. They just believe that God will uh, come in and supernaturally zap their sin. And that's that's not what the New Testament teaches. Then there are other people who believe that uh, they can do it all. They can take care of their sin. They can fight temptation. They can do it on, on their own. And really, what does the Word of God say? The Word of God says that, that it's both. Uh, it's, it's the human being in tandem with the Holy Spirit who puts sin to death. So, 
really what I focus on in the book at the very end of the book is Romans chapter 8, verse 13, where Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's exactly what Owen is trying to get at when he says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. He says, but if by the spirit, but if by the spirit you put sin to death, uh, the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do we kill sin? Uh, we kill sin by the power of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Dave, I love that you brought up the Holy Spirit into this because um, mm. we we have such a deficient understanding of the Holy Spirit. And we have the best answers from uh, being re- reformed. We have the best view of the Holy Spirit that the church has ever had because it's grounded in the Bible. That's right. And, and people that's forget can... that. Uh, yeah. John, go, John go Calvin ahead. was the, the theologian of the Holy Spirit. Most people uh, either forget that or they're not aware of it. But uh, one of the preeminent theologians of the Holy Spirit was John Calvin himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's so it's so important because you have you have people saying Brian Simmons being one that he received a commission from the Holy Spirit to write the Passion Translation, which is right. utter, utter nonsense. Yeah. Yep. Chapter chapter and verse on that, please. Check, please. You know, yep. um, <laughs> stuff like that. And, and we're when I'm joking around about that, but I'm I'm actually deadly serious. He actually, and you know that too. He he actually said that he received a commission from the Holy Spirit. And you're absolutely right. You know, the Holy Spirit is actively involved in our lives and bringing conviction of our sin. You know, and also comfort and pointing us to Jesus from from the Word and. All, all of those things, and how how can you not understand anything of the Spirit's work in your life? Yeah. If you read the if you read the New Testament at all, you can see how the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of real people. You know, bringing them to faith, uh, com- convicting the Christian, uh, and and on and on and on. And I mean, it's just it's just amazing that that whole chapter, Romans eight. You just go read that chapter. It starts with no condemnation, but then yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit is mentioned so many times in that particular passage. If you were just to sit for six months, if if you're listening to this, if you just sit for maybe two or three months and just read that over, and then find a really good commentary, you know, maybe Lloyd Jones or or somebody, mm-hmm. one of those guys, uh, you know, you, you'll find out just how much the Holy Spirit is in that chapter. And, you know, if you want to, since you just preached on it, go for it. Yeah, that's right. You know, what's interesting, Dave, and I don't think I've, I've told you this in, in the times that we've interacted, but when I started preaching through the book of Romans, there were a group of, of guys in our church, three in particular, and they, they agreed together that they were going to read the entire book of Romans every week until I finished preaching through the book. I don't know if they realized it was going to take around three years to finish (laughs) preaching through that book. But at the end of the time, I I called the check and sure enough, every week they had, they had devoured the the book of Romans on a weekly basis. And I think that's what you're, you're implying is we need to be men of the book. We need to be people of the book. If we're going to walk forward in, in sanctification. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, like the Holy spirit does use the Bible. He uses That's the right. word, and from That's the right. word, he points us to Christ, and you know, through that, he brings conviction of sin and all those things, and and so we 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 see that in the upper room discourse in John uh, fifteen through seventeen, and we see even more of the Spirit's work in Romans seven, or Romans eight, not seven, excuse me, mm-hmm. Roman, I meant right. Romans eight, so right. 
Yeah, buddy. So, you know, we're talking about talking now a little bit about marriage. How how can Christian spouses help encourage one another with regard to indwelling sin? Yeah, I, I think two words come to mind: um, transparency um, and accountability. Transparency and accountability. There, there is a great need for for honesty, complete transparency between a, a husband and a wife. And then accountability, uh, that they are holding one another accountable and they know uh, what's happening in one another's lives. And they, they fight sin together. And that, that also translates into the life of the local church is, is we're fighting sin together. No one's an island in the church. Uh, we, we need each other. I think God will use other people as, once again, as a means of grace as we fight sin together. That's really, really good. Really good. Yeah, take the time. Even if it's five, 10 minutes, you know, you might have kids do it before bed. You know, it, it doesn't have to be whenever I talk about this, people are like, well, I can't do it when you can do it. Well, then the idea is take the principles of things that are mentioned and do it right. yourself. You know, right. it, it's it, it, think about it just a, just a little bit there and take the time. Um, like you said, exactly right. Transparency and honesty and all of that. So. Well, Dave, and accountability. Can, and accountability. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. See, yeah. I need I needed the accountability too in the correction. I'm holding you accountable from, from my dear brother <laughs> here. And he and he and he does too. Trust me. He does. Dave does. He holds me accountable. It's a it's a tough job, but somebody's gotta do it. <laughs> and I'm thankful for it, brother. You know that. So uh where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise? Yeah, uh, my, my blog, Veritas at Lux. Uh, people can get a hold of me at davidsteel.blog. And then I'm at uh, Ball Performer, uh, David Steele at Ball Performer on Twitter. And then uh, people can find me on Facebook as well. And you're on Instagram too, but you never post on there. I never post anymore. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm going to tag you on Instagram and say, oh, again, I got a few more followers. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. 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 I'll well, get my kids to help me figure out how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, as I always say at the end of the show, there's a lot that we could talk about. We really have only scratched the surface. It's been fun, though. But just as we wrap up, can you give us a few takeaways, brother? Yeah, I, I would encourage uh, readers to to pick up the book. And uh, it's a, I think it's a fairly easy read but also a, a book that will be deeply encouraging for them. Again, I keep going back to this quote by John Owen, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. I believe that it's time for followers of Christ to, to reevaluate our Christian lives. It's time for us to take sin seriously, deadly seriously. I remember I read a book years ago by uh, one of my favorite period writers, Thomas Watson. The name of the book is called The Mischief of Sin. And there's this line where Watson said, who would for a drop of pleasure endure a sea of wrath? Mm. What a quote. If, mm. if, we could, if we could take that to heart in the Christian journey, you think men that struggle with pornography, who would for a drop of pleasure endure a sea of wrath? So I'm thankful for men like Thomas Watson and Jonathan Edwards and John Owen, uh, these great Puritan stalwarts who send our 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 mind and our attention uh, our motives to the word of god and so may we find ourselves faithful as we are a people of the book and as we we are killing sin or sin will be killing us amen brother well guys we have been talking today with my friend my good friend david Steele, about his book be killing sin 
The Art of War on the Battlefield of Faith. Here's the book. I I encourage you to pick this up. It it will it, it's not a it's not a long read. It's uh let's see. It's 196 pages, but it's very well written. It's helpful, it's practical. Most importantly, it's grounded in the Bible, which is what we need the most, and it'll help you to grow. So thank you, brother, so much for your time. But more importantly, thank you for the accountability and thank you for your friendship. You bet. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.